Hello friends, I'm back from a week of uh, teaching and preaching down at Angola Prison in Louisiana. It's good to be back home, and it's good to be able to share God's Word with you again today. The title of my message is, You Can Do Better, and it's based on Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 14. I can remember back, uh, a friend of mine once described his golf game this way, I know I can golf better than I do, I just never have. But his feelings about his golf game summarize the way many of us feel about other areas of our lives. I know that I can do better than I do. I just never have. We all seem to have this reservoir of untapped potential on the golf course, in the office, our daily habits, our marriage, our quest for success, where we know that we can do better than we currently do. We just never have. This applies especially to the Christian life. I think we could all truthfully say, I know that I can be more holy than I've been. I just never have. There's that untapped potential in each of our lives in which what we do doesn't accurately reflect who we have the potential to be. Again, it's like saying, I know that I can golf better than this. I just never have. Today I want to talk to you about how we can begin to tap into our full potential to live the kind of life that God not only has called us to live, but that he has equipped us to live and he has empowered us to live, and he has promised is ours for the taking. Today we're going to talk about how to reconnect that disconnect between what we are and what we do. Look at 14 verses from Ephesians 5, a book of the Bible that has been called the Epistle for Today because it deals with so many topics that are extremely relevant to 21st century believers, such as marriage, parenting, dealing with conflict, doing your job with integrity, and so on. Today's reading shows us how you can start living your life like the person God called you to be, how you can reach your full potential as a Christ follower. And the fact is that our potential is so much greater than many of us can imagine. Paul begins chapter 5 with a command that may sound impossibly out of reach when he says in verse 1, Therefore, be imitators of God. Friends, I don't know about you, but for me, that's a pretty intimidating thought. How can I even try to imitate God when I've got so far to go? But I want you to realize that when Paul gave this command, he wasn't being merely idealistic. He was saying to his readers in Ephesus and to us today, you have the potential to do this, so do it. Like I said, he's saying it to us as well. He'd say you have the potential to be much better than you are, even if up to this point your spiritual journey in your daily life hasn't reflected it. And he tells us that if there's a disconnect between who, are, who you are and what you do, you can experience a reconnect so that you can become the person God created you to be. So with that being said, let's unpack these 14 verses a little bit and take a closer look at what God is saying to us today about our potential as Christ followers. However, in, or, in order to achieve that full potential, there are three things you need to know. Here's the first thing you need to know. You need to know who you are in Christ. And here's an important distinction. When I talk about becoming the person God called you to be, becoming might be a bit misleading if you don't fully understand who you are in Christ. In this context, when I talk about becoming, I'm not talking about who you are. I'm really talking about what you do. I'm talking about your performance of holiness and your performance only. That's because the core of who you are has long since been settled by the cross. 
It was settled when you received Jesus as Lord and Savior, and at that moment the Bible says that the old you passed away, and the new you came into existence. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, therefore, behold, the new has come. Galatians 2.20, Paul again, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And here in Ephesians, he says in verse 8, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now, note that Paul didn't say you need to try to be light, and he didn't say you, you're a little bit light and a little bit dark, so work on it. No, he said you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. This is who you are, a new creation in Christ. You don't need to strive to become a new creation. You already are a new creation. You don't need to strive to become light. You already are light. The becoming part refers, in this context, only to becoming consistent, so that what you do reflects who you already are. This means uh, that since you are a new creation, you have the wherewithal within your spirit to reach your full potential in Christ. Now, maybe some of you have wondered, especially if you struggle with being good, I mean, do I have it in me to be a good person? Well, join the crowd. I've, I've wondered that about myself. Do I really have it in me? And the Word of God says, yes, absolutely. You most certainly do because you are a new creation. You are light in the Lord Jesus. You know, whenever you turn on the TV and you watch some of those shows like American Idol or The Voice or any of those other you-can-be-a-star type programs, I don't, I don't watch them very often, but you know, sometimes I've listened to the auditions, and I wonder how, how they ever got to that point to even allow them on a stage. I mean, no matter how sincere they are, they just don't have it in them to sing well. And I don't care who the coaches are. No amount of coaching is ever going to change that inability to sing. And yet there are those people who walk on the stage, they step up to the mic, and they open their mouth to sing, and they just simply have it. They have talent that most people can only dream of, and they have potential to use their voice in ways that most of us never can. They just have it. Now, here's what I'm saying. When it comes to being able to live a holy life, a life that Paul described as imitating God, you have it. You're not like the auditioner who has no hope of ever carrying a tune. You're like the one who has the kernel of talent that is ready to be nurtured. I'm saying that for you, friends, the potential is there. You can be who God created you to be. You don't have to be a slave to your old way of life, even though today you may feel exactly like a slave. You see, there's a divine spark in your spirit. It's the presence of Jesus and his resurrection power, and his presence means you are not who you once were. You were darkness, but now you're light. You're a new creation, the oldest passed away, and you have the potential to become an imitator of God. Now, here's the second thing you need to know. You need to know where your potential can take you. I mean, what does such a person do who's fully engaged in God's light? I mean, what does such a person value and pursue? Well, Paul uses three words in verse 9. He says, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So this is where the light of God is taking you, in the direction of all that is good and right and true. Let's, let's just take a look at these three words very quickly. Good. The, the Greek implies generosity or profitability. I mean, Paul is talking about a benevolent goodness. In other words, you're good to others. This is one direction God wants to take you. 
in that word right. Other translations say righteousness, and some translations say justice. The Greek for this word is to give to others and to God that which is their due. The light of God in your life will take you in the direction of doing what is right, what is just, and what is fair. And the last word is true. And the word true refers not merely to facts that you know, but to the values by which you live. God's light in your life will take you in the direction of living out what you know to be true, rather than merely giving it intellectual assent. So let me sum up these three words like this. The light which Christ begins, the light which Christ brings, makes us useful citizens of this world. It makes us men and women who never fail in duty, human or divine. It makes us strong to do that which we know is true. This is where the potential God has given you is designed to take you. These are the top tier values for all believers to pursue. We want our lives to be about that which is good and right and true. So the question is, how do we get there? If God has created us with such potential that our life can be all about pursuing that which is good and right and true, how do we get there? So that brings us to the third thing you need to know. You need to know how to walk in the light. Verse 8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So that's our challenge. Walk as children of light. And Paul would say to us, you can do this because you are light. The potential is there. You just have to put it into practice. So how do we put it into practice? Well, in this last section, uh, I'm going to challenge you to adopt three strategies that will move you in the direction of reaching your full potential in Christ. Three areas where you'll say, that may have been my past behavior. It may be the way that I've always done it before. But today, rather than doing it that way, I will begin doing it this way. So here are the three areas of the three strategies. Area one, strategy one, rather than living to indulge your own desires, focus on living to please God. Verse three of our scripture reading today says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. Now, I like the way this verse reads in the NIV. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Now, something you need to understand is that the first century culture in Ephesus to which Paul was writing was not that much different than the 21st century culture in America. It's pretty much all about sex, and the prevailing attitude was pretty much anything goes. Women were objectified then as they are now. Minor children were often at risk then as they are now. And the Christian concept of chastity before marriage and fidelity in marriage was considered unrealistic, as many consider it today. So Paul was saying, in effect, society all around you may be sending a message that anything goes, but I'm telling you, don't even toy with that idea. Paul was saying, live a life of sexual integrity, and that means you don't treat anyone as an object for your pleasure. Paul also talks about greed, which is kind of the materialistic equivalent of lust. Both indicate an attitude that says, I want what I want when I want it, and I'm going to have it no matter what. Paul says that this attitude of indulging your desires isn't fitting for God's people. Instead, in verse 10, he writes, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. 
See, walking as children of light means saying, God, rather than thinking about what will satisfy my selfish desires, I will think about what I can do that is good, right, and true, because I know that this is what pleases you. See, walking as children of light means saying, God, my life is not about what my sinful nature tells me I should want for myself. It's about what I should want for your glory. And walking as children of the light means that like Jesus, uh, we will say, not my will, but yours be done. So I'm challenging you to drop this strategy. Rather than living to please yourself, live to please God. Now here's area two or strategy two. Rather than making conversation about matters that are out of place, focus on making each conversation about the goodness of God. Verse 4 says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place. Now, we all work, I'm sure, with that person who is able to turn anything you say into a sexual innuendo. We all know that person who can't string together a single sentence unless it's peppered with profanity. We all know that person, and what I find interesting is that they were around in the first century, and they were annoying enough that Paul felt compelled to mention them. We all know that person, and Paul is saying, don't be that person. And by the way, I'm not just talking about off-color comments. I'm talking about the need to make that snarky remark or an I'm-just-kidding kind of insult every time you open your mouth. I'm talking about feeling the need to say something critical and condescending and edging every time, edgy every time you open your mouth. This falls under Paul's category of foolish talk. And he tells us that instead of going negative in every conversation, try this, verse 4. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. In other words, talk about the goodness of God. Talk about things that are uplifting. Not if you've ever seen the sign at the airport that says, all comments about bombs and or explosive devices will be taken seriously. Well, friends, there are some subjects that are far too serious to joke about. And it's best to say nothing at all. The same goes for many, many things that we tend to want to talk about. So rather than talking about matters that are out of place, I'm going to make my conversation about the goodness of God. Now, area three or strategy three is this. Rather than being influenced by the world around you, focus on sharing your light with others. Paul goes on in verse 11 and says, Take no part in the unfruitful works and deeds of darkness but instead expose them. Now, let me stop right here. I mean, some people think that phrase, expose them, means that you point your finger at all the sinners in the world and tell everybody what they're doing wrong. But when we read on, we see that that's not what Paul is talking about. In verse 12, he goes on, For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. In other words, sin is so dark and so ugly and so destructive, you don't even want to talk about it. Instead, Paul says in verses 13 and 14, But when anything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Now there's a play on words going on here, and this is the point that Paul is moving toward, and it's this. We don't defeat the darkness in the world around us by talking on and on about the darkness. We defeat the darkness with the power of the light. Now, I was with a group of pastors not long ago, and the name of a man who wasn't in the group came up. And suddenly it was kind of open season on him until one of the other pastors spoke up and said, The only thing I can say about this pastor is that when I was in the hospital, he came by to see me and he snuck in some candy. 
and I thank God for you. Well, you can imagine how the mood at that table suddenly shifted and how quickly the group moved on to another topic. But do you see what happened when this man spoke up? He shined light into the darkness. He could have joined in with them, but he didn't. He could have gone on and on about the darkness of their behavior. He could have said, you guys are pathetic. Don't you know gossip is sin? What would your church members think if they heard you saying what you're saying? I'm so ashamed to say that I even know you. He could have said that. But instead, he just exposed this group to the light. Now, here's what Paul is saying. Rather than participating in all the darkness that goes on around you, focus on bringing the light of God into each and every situation. That doesn't mean you talk on and on about how dark the darkness is. It means that you let people see the light of God that shines through you. And when you speak, you don't speak about the darkness. You speak about the beauty and the power and the glory and the majesty of our great and wonderful God. And in doing this, you're going to bring streams of white light into the darkened corners of this world. This is our potential. Living a life that stands for all that is good and right and true. And in doing so, we become imitators of God. So you can become the man or woman God created you to be, but how? Well, let me suggest that you adopt a rather-than strategy. Rather than living for myself, I will live for the glory of God. Rather than talking out of place, I will talk about the goodness of God. Rather than being shaped by the world around me, I will bring the light of God into every situation. Every time you make a rather-than choice, you become an imitator of God. Every time you say rather than, you move in the direction of all that is good and right and true. This is your potential. You have what it takes because he's made you a new creation. You are light in the world. So friends, walk as children of light. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion.